Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know if you know this about Easter, but we celebrate Jesus' resurrection. Amen. Good Friday uh, is a celebration of, um, or actually, that was, that Palm Sunday is a celebration of when Jesus came into Jerusalem. Good Friday is a celebration of one day late, because theologians believe he died on Thursday, actually. Um, but he died on the cross, right? Was in the grave. The enemy thought he won. But we, we literally and figuratively, all of the above, illies, right? We believe all of it. Jesus died on the cross and God raised him from the dead. He is alive. He is alive. And that is the hinge pin to everything that we believe. Because if he just died and that was it, then he's just like all of us, right? We're not getting out of here alive unless Jesus comes back before then, right? I mean, is there anybody around that you've seen from the 1700s? Anybody? 1800s? Maybe. (laughs) Maybe old, right? But God is coming back for us, and Jesus rose from the dead, and we believe that, amen? And so we're celebrating that today, that he is alive. We serve a resurrected, risen Lord, and that's exciting, isn't it? So um, I kind of wish that there was a video of what that looked like when Jesus defeated Satan, when he, like, bust out and destroyed the enemy's work, right? Wouldn't that be awesome if we just had a picture of what that looked like? But I have, a, I have an idea of what it probably looked like. Um, that we can show here in just a second. This is just just a glimpse of what maybe it looked like. <laughs> Let's watch it one more. I got to see it one more time because that's really good. There's, there's absolutely no contest to this. That's Jesus, and see ya. Yeah, I mean he just he just whooped them like there was no fight, right? There was no battle, just over, just over, right? Jesus was raised from the dead. Isn't that awesome? I mean, he was raised, and there was no battle. He's just the victor forever. And it's awesome to think that the enemy thought he was down for the count, and they won, and then Jesus rose from the dead. It was really, really an amazing sight. One of these days, we're going to get to see the clip of it, right? The real clip. (laughs) Well, turn with me, if you would, to 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians. Thank you, Lord. We've got a great service for you today. We've got some communion. We've got the word coming forth. God is good. And uh, we've got a special song today too. And uh, I'm excited. God is good. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. <clears throat> it, starts, it says this. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for all our sins according to the scriptures. And that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. And that he was seen by Cephas, that's Peter, and then by the twelve. And after that, he was seen by over 500 brethren at once. This is not just a story told by the disciples. 500 people saw Jesus alive after his crucifixion. That's a lot. And it's not just told in the Bible, but from writings of that time that they've recovered over the ages, it they talk about Jesus and the people that saw him alive after he was dead. Of course, all that speculation and conspiracy theory, you know, swirls around this stuff. But we know why, because he was dead and now he's alive. Amen? And it's exciting. For indeed, uh, skip down to verse 16. For indeed, for if, it, sorry, if, for if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then your faith is futile. You are still under your sins. Then also, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in this life we only have hope in Christ, we are of all men most pitiable. You know what he's saying? 
If Jesus didn't rise from the dead and we're just doing this just for religious tradition, then we are the most pitiable. But he doesn't stop there. (laughs) He says, but now Christ is risen from the dead. He has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He is alive and it is the hinge pin for what we believe. He is resurrected Lord, right? And because of that, we are going to be resurrected. We are raised to new life. And someday we're going to be with him forever, forever. Somebody say forever. That's a long time. Amen. This is the briefest thing you're ever going to do. Do you know that? This life is the briefest thing you're ever going to do. We'll tell stories about it, but it's brief. Turn with me to Ephesians 1. I want to show you something. Ephesians chapter 1. The power that raised Christ from the dead. Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read this in the New Living because it gives it some depth that I want you to see. It says this, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heavenly realms. The power that God exerted to raise Jesus from the dead, because God didn't just raise one man, one Jesus, our Savior and Lord. He raised us all. The Bible says that he raised us all, all of us. He exerted his mighty strength and power when he raised Jesus from the dead. And it was that word power is actually a, the uh, Greek word is dunamis, which we get our word for dynamite, right? Explosive force. It's a, it was a big deal, right? And, and we get to see Jesus just absolutely triumphant, king of kings, come out of the grave, be resurrected, and then raise us up together with him. I mean, that's just awesome. And it was so powerful when Jesus died on the cross in his death and resurrection. There was so much power available during that resurrection time that not just Jesus was raised from the dead, but the Bible says that there were other believers that had died recently that were in the graves, and they came alive. It's in Matthew. They came alive. People that were in the graves rose from the dead because there was so much power available when Jesus came alive in the tomb that other people, and they just wandered out of the tombs and went down to Starbucks, and people saw them all over the place, and were like, what? But, right? They, I mean, they could, not, they could not wrap their heads around how that was even possible. But Jesus was alive, and God exerted great power, great power to do it. That's why he says, I pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe. See, that power is alive for us. Uh, We like to say it like this, that Jesus came back to life to bring us back to life. Because we were dead in our trespasses and sins. Do you remember those days? Not fun, right? We were dead. We were dead on the way to hell. But Jesus resurrected us. So he came back to life so we can come back to life. Not just to make it to heaven. Not to just scoot in behind the gates closing, right? But to live a full victorious life now and to celebrate his resurrection, and to see others come alive in Christ. That's, that's what we get to do. That's awesome. It's awesome. So much power. Romans 6, 4 says this, For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Just like Jesus lived, now we can live new lives. That's what we celebrate on, on Resurrection Sunday. Yes, Jesus went to the cross. Man, if he hadn't paid that price, he had to take the substitution for us. Somebody had to pay it. Blood had to be shed. Jesus took that for us. But thank the Lord it didn't end there. That is not the end of the story. It's not the end. So here we are, right? 
serving the Lord, seeing his goodness in our lives, celebrating Easter. It's exciting times. Jesus came back to life to bring us back to life. You know, part of our lives in one way or another, in some stages of our lives, have been damaged somehow or broken, right? I mean, it's just part of life, just stuff comes up. It happens. And when these things happen, uh, we get hurt sometimes, right? Is it true? I mean, there's just, there's just stuff that happens in life. And there's causes for this. And one of, the, one of the main causes is people. Have you noticed? People can be kind of a bummer sometimes. Anybody, anybody recognize that, right? Don't look around or don't look at your neighbor. Just, just nod. People can be a bummer sometimes. And sometimes they say things that they shouldn't have said. And, and sometimes even worse, they don't say things that they should have said. And, and sometimes we just end up hurt and we end up shaken. But God has a plan for us. You know, circumstances in our lives, things happen to us. And we're just like, God, what is going on? Anybody ever been there? Anybody ever had trouble times? Just me. Okay, let's try this. Anybody like chocolate? Sweet. Oh, that's more hands. How about ice cream? Anybody like free gold? God. Okay, how many of you would not raise your hand in church if they were handing money out in the aisles? Awesome. Okay. So we got, we, we got honest people. Okay. I can't, can't get it up. But our circumstances, uh, people's words, man, these things, these things can cause us to be shaken, to, to wonder. And, and when people or circumstances or things happen to us, there's two things that always happen. We're going to see examples of this. There's two things that happen in our lives. One is it's either going to make our faith stronger and we're going to bury into the word and bury into the Lord and just say, I'm not, I'm here. This is me. I'm steadfast. And the other thing that's happened to all of us is that we either doubt or there's failure in our lives. Things that just because of these things that have happened to us, we either doubt or there's failure. So we're going to look at both of those things because we have all, we have all been there. Amen? All of us. So in, let's look at doubt first. Doubting Thomas, right? Doubting Thomas. Boy, he got a bad rap, didn't he? I mean, good night. He is like probably half of us, if we're honest, right? Because look at what he went through. We call him Doubting Thomas. Really, we should call him Honest Thomas. Really, because he'd just be like, What's, I'm, I need to see some stuff first, right? These guys were following Jesus for years, and they saw miracles and signs. And in the Jewish uh, theology, when the Messiah come, and they, and they believed Jesus was the Messiah, right? He said, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Lord, the Lord in heaven has revealed this to you. They believed he is the Messiah, and he was. But their view of how the Messiah was going to be and how he was going to take over was he was going to establish a government, overthrow the Roman Empire, and reestablish Jerusalem and Israel right then. That was their, this is how it's going to go. So when they're looking at their Savior on the cross, and he breathes his last, they were shaken. Thomas was shaken. He had doubts. So would we. I mean, if we followed, if we followed Jesus for that long and saw all the stuff he did, even though he told us, and we heard it, but we didn't hear it, that he was going to die and be raised again. It's like, yeah, they didn't hear it. But they had doubts. They were shaken. And Thomas said, unless I see it, unless I see him. <clears throat> Let's look at that in John 20. Turn to John 20 with me. John chapter 20. All of us have, have our, had, had our faith rocked, what we've what we thought was true was shaken, right? And we've got a, we've got a question. Okay, Lord, what do I do? Where am I at? 
Hard times, hard times can either make your faith stronger or it can bring you questions. But we have to remember this, that God is not our enemy. He is, not our, he is the answer and the solution every single time. Amen? Every time. And it's funny because even if you think life's supposed to be perfect and you get to a season in life where you're like, this is perfect. Take a picture, right? Right now, quick, because stuff changes, doesn't it? Take a picture. Stuff changes. So John 20, let's look at what, what Thomas did. One of the 12, this is in the New Living, it helps read it out. One of the 12 disciples, uh, verse 24, one of the 12 disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. And they told him, we have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe in it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands and put my fingers into them and place my hand into the wounds in his side. Eight days later, everybody say eight days. Eight days later, the disciples were get together again. And this time, Thomas was with them. And the doors were locked, right? That door was locked, Katie barred. They probably had a couch leaning up against it. It was not popular to be a Jesus follower right now, right? They were hiding out. They were looking for him. The door was locked. They were hiding out. But suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them, right? He didn't break down the door like we would break down the door or like the SWAT team would break down the door, right? He was just there he just walked through walls it was a glorified risen resurrected body jesus just he's he's there and he said peace be with you and and then he said to thomas he went right to him see jesus will come to you in your doubts because he's addressing thomas directly because of what thomas was doing was doubt he he wanted to make sure thomas look at me here i am he went right to him And he said, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Believe. It's so powerful that Jesus said that. Don't be faithless any longer, but believe. He didn't tell him, you know, why'd you do that? Why didn't you? He just said, don't be faithless any longer. Believe. Hook back up with me. Connect with me again. Amen. And Thomas, to his credit, instantly, my Lord, my God. And Jesus told them, you believe because you have seen me. Look at this. This is us. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. See, most of us in this physical body, right, in this body, won't see Jesus face to face. But we're going to see him. We're going to see him when we're glorified. He got, these guys got to see Jesus in the flesh, touch him, feel him, hold him on the earth. But it says, blessed are those who believe without seeing me. Without. That's us. We get to believe by faith that this word is true. And that we can go after Jesus and just, I missed it. I missed it. And he wants, you, he wants us to just come back to him. Because Jesus is big enough to handle all of our questions and all of our doubts. He's big enough to say, come on, we can do this. Hook back up with me. Let's get after it. If something's shaking you, just come back. Just like he told Thomas, just come back and believe. Come back and believe. The other thing we deal with is failure. And we get to see this in Peter's life. Failure We've all done that, right? We've all had failures. Those things we don't even like to talk about. So I thought it would be a good exercise if we just took a minute or two and just talk to your neighbor and just share your deepest, darkest secret. Okay, ready? No, I'm kidding. Stop. Stop. Don't do that. But I mean, we have these things where there are several people just sweating like, what? What? Um, we have these things in our lives that we think are going to keep us from God. We think they're going to separate us. And God's saying, I'm big enough. My sacrifice in my son was big enough 
let it go. Follow after me. And Peter went through this exact thing. He went through this exact thing because everyone's failed. Everyone's failed. And these failures lead to all kinds of things like cheating and lying, stealing, DUIs. I mean, just getting in trouble. And we think somehow that these failures are going to keep us from God, but they're not. Peter was one of the ones in the inner circle, right? He was in the top three. You remember that? Peter, James, and John. He was in the top three. That means when Jesus was going somewhere, Peter was in the car, right? Windows down, elbows out. Everybody else was riding caravan behind. These guys are with Jesus, right? They went to the Mount of Transfiguration with him. I mean, they're with Jesus. And Jesus, when he first met Peter, his name was Simon. But he said, your name is going to be Cephas, which translates to Peter, which means the rock, right? Not the peck popping actor, you know, singer, that, not, that, not that rock, not the wrestler. Okay, get that guy out of your head. The rock, meaning on this rock, I'm going to build the church, right? That's who Jesus named Peter to be, the rock. And yet, at the, at the Last Supper, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he said, guys, come here, I need to tell you something. There's somebody at this table that's going to betray me. And Peter is like, not me, and tell me who it is, and we're going to take care of him right now, right? And he's like, Peter, let me tell you something. Why don't you lean in a little closer? You're actually going to deny me three times before the rooster crows tomorrow. And he's like, there's no way. There is absolutely no way. You remember that conversation? Peter's like, "Mm mm-mm. And Jesus said, okay. And so shortly thereafter, Jesus is being arrested by an overwhelming force. Right, Peter's got his sword out, cuts off somebody's ear. He's showing some valiance, right? But G- Jesus is like, put it away. This is, it's not the time for that. This is part of the plan. And here's Jesus just being led as a lamb to the slaughter. And Peter's like, what do I do? And so in following him, right, we know that he denied him, that he reverted back to his old ways where he even cursed and swore and, and said he never knew the man vehemently said, I never knew him. And on the third time, almost immediately, he heard the rooster crow. And he was broken. He was hurt. He was stunned that Jesus was right about him, that he could so easily let those things down. And he felt that failure. He felt that failure. And you know what he did? He went back to BC before Christ. He went back to who he was when he was a fisherman right? When he just had no idea what else to do because he thought, well, I've denied him. I can't, I can't do anything now, right? I can't follow Jesus. I totally denied him. I swore and denied him. I can't believe it. And he went back. But you know what? Jesus didn't leave him. He didn't leave him there, did he? Even in failure. Even in failure. So it's interesting that in this um, car alarm filled world <laughs> where uh, where um, you know we have we have our failures too, and somehow the enemy drives a wedge into our thinking that tries to get us to think that somehow we just can 't come back to God somehow we've just we 've blown it too much, and yet Jesus went to Peter, he went to Peter when it was all said and done. And he had risen and he was fellowshipping with them again. And and they saw Jesus for this period of time for like 40 days. And he saw over 500 people and his disciples. And the word about him went all over the place. And he went to Peter. 
and he went to him the same way. When, when, when Jesus first found Peter, uh, they used Peter's boat, and Jesus taught, right? And then when he came back in, uh, he told Peter, he said, go out, launch out into the deep, and catch, catch some fish. And he's like, we fished all night. We just got done finishing, finishing cleaning the nets, which is a big project, because they were, they were cleaning while Jesus was talking. And he said, launch out into the deep and cast your nets on this side. And they did, and they caught such a huge load of fish that they had to call other boats. Remember that? And so at the end, Jesus does it again. And this time, they're fishing because they don't know what else to do. They're hiding out. Peter's back into his old before Christ days. He's go- he went back to his livelihood that he had before. And he's in the boat, and they're fishing and fishing, and they caught nothing. And in the morning, when it was just breaking day, here's a figure on the, on the shore. And he, Jesus yells out, have you caught anything yet? Paraphrase. And they said, no, we haven't caught anything. He said, try the other side. Okay, you know, you know, nothing's dawning yet. When they threw the net in the other side, guess what? Such a huge load of fish. And John, the disciple whom Jesus loved, said, it's the Lord. And Peter, it's the Lord threw on his coat, dove into the water, right? We're not waiting to row in. He dove into the water, swam to shore, and there's Jesus, had breakfast ready for him, sat him down, and wanted to encourage him. And he went to Peter. And almost right away, he said, Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? He's not even addressing what Peter had done. He just said, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord. He said it three times, do you love me? Yes, Lord. Do you love me? Yes, Lord. He said, feed my sheep. And after he said all this, this conversation at the very end, he said, you guys follow me. Never address the doubt, never address the failure. He just said, do you love me? And when the answer was yes, he said, then follow me. Follow me. Follow me. Let it go. Leave it behind. Follow me. And that's what he's asking us today. If there's something in us that has caused us to doubt in any way, a failure in us that has kept us apart from what God wants for us. He's, he's not even addressing that sin. It's taken care of. It's dealt with. Jesus paid the price. It was enough. But he is saying, do you love me? If the answer is yes, then he's saying, then follow me. Follow me. It'll be okay. Follow me. And I love that about our Lord, that he just goes right to it and addresses it. Just takes care of it right away. And Peter thought he was done. But Jesus had already told him, you're the rock, and I'm going to build the church on Amen. So we've got to let we've got to let the Lord forgive us. We've got to let him bring us back in and follow him and let his word be true that we can actually serve him, follow him, seek after him, even in the midst of making mistakes and problems. And we've done it all right. He still loves us. And that's good news. Amen. He came back to life so that he could bring us back to life. And we're alive. The Bible says in Romans uh, 10, verse 9, very familiar passage. In the NIV, it says, If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Jesus is Lord, right? And if we believe that God raised him from the dead, we'll be saved. And that's beautiful. So now there's no going back. There's no going back. Just keep following after the Lord. Amen? Can we do that? All right, will you pray with me? Oh, Father, I just thank you for your goodness. In your mercy that even when we are, we're shaken, our faith is shaken, we may have doubts, we may have failures, Lord. You paid the price to bring us back to God. 
to bring us back to the Father, to reconcile us and make us right with Him. And so, Father, we just choose to say, I love you, you are Lord, and we follow after you. And we're so grateful for that. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, if there's anybody here that you have not made Jesus the Lord of your life, and you know that you need to do that today, or if you're in a place where you have given your heart to the Lord in the past, but you need to rededicate, you need to say, okay, Lord, I'm coming back. I'm following you. I love you. I want to be with you. I want you to be my Lord. If that's you on either of those things, I want you, uh, nobody's looking around. Heads are bowed. Eyes are closed. But just look up and make eye contact with me because we're going to pray a prayer. And God's going to do something in our lives. And today is going to mark a day. Today is going to mark a day in your life where Jesus said, come, follow me. Do you love me? Follow me. Today's your day. Amen. All right, let's all pray this prayer together. Can we do that? Heavenly Father, we love you, and we declare today, Jesus is Lord, and I believe that you raised him from the dead, and he lives forever. So Jesus, I love you, and I will follow you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Is God good? All the time, all the time. Thank you, Lord. If you prayed that prayer, make a little notation for us on the um, connection card that you prayed that prayer just because we want to get something into your hands, uh, whether we mail it to you or give it to you. If you'll make that note, that'll let us know that uh, something's happened in your life and we can get that material in your hands. Will you do that for me? Amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, so um, we've got a uh, special number this morning, a song John's going to sing for us. And uh, it's awesome. It's about what Jesus did for us. Amen. So I'll let him come and he's going to share a couple things. And then we're going to take communion after that and finish our service off with uh, remembering what Jesus had done for us. Amen. I want to share with you uh, some thoughts I have about today. I wrote it down. I can't remember this. So Jesus said in, in John 15, 13, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. <coughs> if you were given the opportunity to lay down your life for a friend, but you knew that you would be beaten with 39 lashes, a crown of thorns smashed on your head, and then nailed to a cross, would you still do it? That's exactly what Jesus did for us. That's the definition of a hero to me.
Savior of the world. The Savior of. 